we're back. We are back. Hello and welcome. My name is Dan. Oh, this is Comedian Ordinaire, the world's most okay podcast. Doing something a little bit different today. I thought it would be fun to do a string of NBA-related podcasts. NBA is something that I'm obsessed with um, for the better part of my life. I say the better part because I like that part better. Um, and I decided to sit down with my brother. We have different cases that we want to argue and points that we want to prove about the NBA and maybe things that, you know, people have talked about before, hopefully some that they haven't. And, yeah, basically we, we get into an argument and we try to get the other one to side with us. And I'm calling the string of NBA podcast Logo and the Goat. So a Logo and the Goat series. Um the logo being Jerry West, the GOAT being Will Chamberlain, of course, the greatest player of all time. Um, and if you don't believe me, then you have to listen until the end of this podcast because I make the case for Wilt being the greatest of all time, better than Michael Jordan, better than LeBron James, better than Tony Allen, better than all those people that you can that you can name. So anyways, I am so excited to finally do something like this. Just wanted to hop on and do a really quick intro about what this is going to be. And without further ado, say who is the greatest. We would never know that. I mean, in, in my eye, Will Chamberlain is the greatest basketball player. Uh, you, know, you hear players compare players in certain eras, and uh, I would love to see him play against some of these centers today. It would, be, it, would, it would be pretty embarrassing for them to be candid with you. I thought today we would switch it up a little bit. I'd like to talk about what I like specifically. If you want to talk about what you want, you can start your own podcast, but... Since I started mine, I'm going to talk about NBA basketball. I've got my brother here with me. What's up? That is Josh O. Uh, we're going to do a string of ones. So these are all going to be kind of NBA themed. I thought that maybe we should start a brand new podcast. And then I was thinking, well, maybe we could just do a series in this one. Anyways, it's called Logo and the Goat, where we just talk NBA basketball. We're each going to present one case to the other. And try to make that person agree with us. So I'm going to try to make him agree with everything that I'm saying. And he's going to do the same. We're going to take turns. We're sort of just presenting these hot takes or these really specific NBA topics. And seeing if the other person agrees. Having said that, do you have all your arguments ready? I feel good. I feel okay. feel good. I feel good. Yeah. I don't know what the winner gets out of this. I don't know if we're doing like a Snickers ice cream sandwich or... I mean, yeah. I mean, honestly, if you, I think at the end of the at the end of this for for a month, one of us has to buy the other their favorite snack. Oh, all right, that's fair. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Out of however many of these will come out, the winner will tally the points all up at the end. Sure. So I have three cases today. I think you also have three. Yeah. All right. So to get it started. This is one case that I don't, I'd like to caveat by saying I don't feel particularly comfortable. And I thought that 
I mean, really, the, the entire idea came from this case. LeBron is a bad person. Now, for as long as I've been following basketball, I've heard some people say LeBron is trash, he's awful, I hate him, he travels, and all this stuff. Sure. But I always said there's no denying that he's the greatest can you argue in the that, league today. Sure, but can you can you make an argument for him not only being a bad but not being a bad person but being bad at being a person? Is he bad at the is he can he be the best person ever? You're saying is he bad at personing? Being at being a person. Is well, that what you're saying? When I say LeBron's a bad person, I mean LeBron is an overrated NBA player and some of the things he does in his personal life are that of what a bad person would do. Right, naming the school after yourself and then naming your school after a phrase, saying I promise. That doesn't make it Right. It's like it's like saying it's like naming a school after saying kids stay in school. The it's kids the like kids that. stay in school school. Cool. For kids yeah, staying in school. Yeah, for kids and it makes kids stay in school. Forever. They right. Just stay there. Right. For for I, I think the school was poorly named, and I think that will have a negative impact on those children, particularly from Cleveland, Ohio, giving Akron, Ohio, a worse reputation now, 20 right. years later. Yeah. Saying they went to a I Promise school, named after a basketball school. player. I stayed an extra year in fifth grade, and I don't think that that's what they meant. Mm-mm. And it ended up costing the state a little bit of money to educate me and my parents' money to put me through another year of fifth grade. What I'm saying is don't stay in school. And I think, honestly, if anything, he's selfish. Ah. I think it's him only putting a school in his own hometown. Mm. You can say that's incredibly selfish. That is pretty selfish. Right? Like, it's not you're not thinking about the other kids in Cleveland, Ohio. What about, oh, those, yeah. what about those little fucks? Straight up in Cleveland. Yeah. So my idea is to try to get you on board I'm gonna try to convince you that LeBron is a bad person. I, I I can see I can see why you would think that, and I kind of partially agree, but I'm gonna disagree in saying I think he might even be. Let me see. I think personally he's better now on the Lakers than he would be than he was on on Cleveland, mm-hmm. right? right. Do, you, do you agree? Um, yeah, yeah, I guess he's a better, what, person, basketball player? Better, I would say a better basketball player, better person just introducing the, the Taco Tuesdays. Sure. You know what I mean? I don't think I've ever seen a, a basketball player introduce we Taco tried Tuesdays. tried branding Taco Tuesdays, and restaurants all around the country were like, no, you can't do that. That's literally been our promotion right. since 84, mm-hmm. and we need it to stay alive. We can't pay you money every time we put it up on the restaurant. Mm-hmm. He tried trademarking that. And he's taking it for himself. Uh, I mean, overall, I don't. I, I'm gonna. I think this is a hot take, but I don't think he's a bad person. Overall, I think he's done some pretty awful things in his life, like open up that school, mm. um, sure. win three champ, win Cleveland's first championship um, in 50 years. Mm-hmm. I right. mean, it's okay. I mean, that's. I mean, you can. It was only one championship. I mean, he could have brought more, but. All right, so let me make my case. Let me make the case that LeBron's a bad person. I'm going to throw some things at you. You tell me if you agree or disagree with them, and at the end we'll get a verdict. Okay. To start off, in 2009, LeBron and the Nike camp confiscated a dunk tape. Now, the controversy behind this was that it was a 
college student attending his summer camp. His name is Jordan Crawford. In the after hours of the camp, they were playing just a pickup basketball game. Ball's going down the court. Jordan Crawford has the ball. LeBron goes up for the block. Jordan Crawford, a sophomore in college at the time, dunks on LeBron. It's caught on video. Word gets out. It starts buzzing for a couple of days. And then Nike and LeBron confiscate the tape because of how it would make LeBron look. It's in 2009, so what that would make him 23? 23 at that time? Uh, yeah, 24, 23, 25, something like that. Yeah. I can see something. I can see a 23-year-old getting their ego hurt over being dunked over. Yeah. So, to me, it makes sense. I... Oof, that's a tough one. That's a pretty. That's a pretty whack thing to do. It's a whack thing to it do. It is a pretty whack thing to do. Mm-hmm. I agree, but in his defense, he was twenty-three. Okay. So that's honestly the only defense that I have is that he's, he's 23. twenty-three. If he All did right. that when he was thirty-two, that would be ridiculous. When LeBron was asked, I think about it, he everything. All questions to Nike. He was saying, "You guys just need to ask them about it. I don't know. I'm not in charge." He just did not want to answer it straight on. And Nike, when they were asked about it, they were like. Yeah, filming after hours was not allowed. And that was it. That was the only explanation they gave. It wasn't like anything what everybody else was saying, which was probably the case. He just right. didn't want to look bad. Sure. That I mean, I What I mean, what is your take on it? What why do you feel what why is this like do you think this is the one of the worst things he's done? Uh it's top 5 to me. It's an incredibly weak move. I mean, if you're a superstar and somebody dunks on you, it happens. It happens to everybody. It happened to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Sure. Like, nobody's would dunk on Kareem, and he just went back the other way and started playing defense again. Right. If anything, just make eh. on. I, I can I, – I disagree. I don't think it's going to – I don't think it's his career is going to be tainted. His has been tainted off of that. Sure. I think that's a very deep uh, delving fact. Well, um, we're just getting started. But in, Yeah. We're just getting started. Jordan Crawford, the guy who dunked on him, went on to play with five different NBA teams. So he was a bit of a journeyman and played on three different Chinese teams. Interesting. So couldn't really get it together. I'd say the highlight of his career was dunking on LeBron while he was in college. So if anything, they cursed him. Yeah, maybe. He cursed maybe LeBron him. LeBron ruined his career yeah. as well. I think that, that might have cursed him. I think that's the universe's, like, Okay, we're gonna give you this, right. but now we're gonna just gonna make you be mediocre for the rest of your life. Super weak move, though. It is a weak move. I All agree. Right. I agree. To continue with this case, also in 2009, LeBron lost in the conference finals to the Magic. Now you look at some of the numbers from the series and go, "Wow, he played really well. 38 points a game, 48 percent from the field. Still lost. He lost four to two." Given the series was pretty close, he could have won a couple of games. LeBron just wasn't trying to take every game-winning shot. Right. Some of the games, they would lose by one or two points. LeBron wouldn't take that game-winning shot every game. Yes. So dude, that that's an argument you can say that he's just he's never going to be good a good clutch player. Right, yeah. And he deems it as playing team basketball. When really we deem it as passing up the game-winning shot because you're afraid you're not going to make it. He is correct. It is. I mean, he's. I think he's a very team-oriented basketball player, which is something I respect about him. But you're right. I think he just chokes. 
mm-hmm. in the last minutes. Sure. I think he he does choke. It's not that he doesn't. He he feels it. He feels that he's gonna choke. You right. know what I mean? Right. He's not like James Harden where he thinks he's gonna do well, and he sucks. LeBron thinks he's gonna choke, and he does sometimes, and it and it scares him. Yeah, you could see it. There's a bit of a timid nature towards the end of the game. He'll miss free throws. He passes up so many game-winning shots. There's one really evident his last year with Kyrie. They were trying to win against the Mavericks. LeBron was wide open for two seconds. Count it, two seconds. Right at the free throw line. Game on the line. Passes the ball up to Kyrie, who has two defenders on him. This man just defers the game-winning shot and calls it team basketball. Right. Again, another weak move. He just didn't know how to win yet. Also, in the next year, he would lose to Boston. Um, so early in his career, just didn't know how to win, and he would lose a lot in the playoffs and didn't know how to close out a series. Third point I'd like to make is that he coasts in the regular season. LeBron coasts in the regular season. He doesn't put it into full gear, right? He keeps it in second and stays there for the entire season. Now, for somebody who talk about giving the fans everything they deserve <clears throat> as much as he does. It's strange that you still let these people pay a premium to watch somebody take it easy. But you're under but I think that I, I can argue against that because LeBron's taking it easy game is still exceptional compared to every other person in the league. Okay. Right? I think even when he's on cruise control, I think he is still the best player on the floor most of the time. Mm-hmm. Do you agree? I do, man. But he's coasting. He is coasting, but yeah. I think that's I've be- seen what he can do in a final for sure. Him averaging so like thirty-five points a game, if, fifty it, from the field. Sure, but if anything, this this kind of it kind of plays into him being one of the smartest basketball players of all time, conserving your energy. This is I already know that I'm if I'm gonna if I'm gonna blow up. Every game through the regular season, I'm going to be exhausted by the time I get to the playoffs when I really need to show up. And so that to me is another weak move. No, it's not. It's a smart move. It's you're conserving your energy. If mm. you're conserving your energy in the way that you're still winning, you're still winning games. Right. You can still win games on cruise control. What's the point of going overboard? At that point, it's just you're just being greedy. You're just kind of wanting that fame. You need that fame, right? He's been through what eight finals in a row, coasting. Like you're saying. So what is the point of going any further if you don't need to? He's conserving energy and still being the best player on the floor. In my opinion, I think it's just a smart move. It's a smart, it's a it's a it's a clever strategy so that he can explode in the playoffs. And that's where right. LeBron is Nobody really, is really, really shiny. Why he does it, but the fact that he coasts for the entire regular season, and I'm talking like not playing defense for strings at a time, like not even minutes in a game, but weeks at a time where he just doesn't play any defense. The team suffers because of that, because they see their leader not stepping up to the plate, taking a charge or jumping in front of your guy or letting guys blow by you. Right. They see that, and it sets the tone for the rest of the team. So when the playoffs come, not only have you not been giving it your all, but your teammates have not been giving it their all. And so the team performs at a lesser quality than they could have. Granted, where you look at, like, uh, uh, you take example, the Warriors of the past, coasting. They coast all the way to the finals, lose against the Raptors. It's kind of what happens. I know they had injuries and all, but that's what happens. You coast, and then you don't perform as well as you could have. Whereas you take teams like the 2000 Lakers, where everybody is playing as hard as they can, and rotations are on a, a tight string. 
Now when players get to the finals, you have guys who are averaging like 35 minutes a game to 45 minutes a game, playing their hearts out. LeBron's team doesn't do this. But do you think that's a that's an uh, good strategy in the, in the long run versus the because uh, I think we're just thinking in the term of in terms of this being the strategy a good strategy for a single season versus for the longevity of somebody's career, right? I think that is why yeah, I again, think that nobody's is, arguing why he does it for sure. But we're that, both saying that he does right. It. What I'm saying is I think that it's not I don't think that it's a bad move on LeBron James for doing that. I think it's actually a very good move. I think it's the the right move for his career and his team overall. No. I don't think it's a bad thing. It's the right move for his career, but not for his team. That's where I would disagree. You don't think so? Yeah, Taking his team the to that championship. Is being, it's being played out longer. The longevity of his career will right. be extended. Right. Because he's taking it easy. But it's not better for his team if he's not performing to the fullest. Can you imagine if Anthony Davis was the only superstar on a team? And you see him 40 games out of a season, just not care, nonchalantly play basketball because he knows he's good. You would just be like, why do I want to play with him? He's not competitive. He's not showing how tough he is. But now you're but making that argument. You're making you're you're making it seem like LeBron is not competitive. That's is he exactly is he, is he say, is, your, is he exactly is he saying. is he not competitive because in the regular season right. he's not competitive. So if anything you can see like playing with LeBron you can see how the the competitive nature of his leadership and like him being the the alpha on the team and he just being on that team just makes the team better right he's he he sets he's He's such a he's such a smart player, incorporating everybody on the team. Like he's necess- he's really controlling everybody like a puppet, right? Well, so if anything, if he doesn't show up, that's some that's a, a chance for the rest of the team to shine, right? At that point, I think you're de- you're creating a dependency, which which to me kind of feels like this is a poor strategy. You're de- creating this dependency on this on this one player, even though he is the one of the greatest players. I would argue that creating that dependency on him weakens the team overall, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely, and that dependency has existed for his entire career. For Look sure. Numbers when he goes to the bench, the team gets worse, they produce less, they don't defend as hard, and they don't score as much. For sure. When LeBron's on the bench. They all depend on him. Every team depends on LeBron that he's been on. For sure. I understand what you're saying. And so I'm saying if you are being depended on, step it up. Step it up while you're playing. Don't take it easy. Don't leave it in second gear and coast through the whole game. If you look at LeBron scoring 25 after a game and only taking 10 to 15 shots, the team could have won easily if he would have taken more shots, been more aggressive, and gotten his team more involved. This is what I'm saying by coasting. And he does it in the regular season. We both agree that the reason he does it is to preserve energy for the playoffs. Right. I think correct. I think we're agreeing on that, but I don't. I'm not in agreement with like tainting his reputation as as a competitive basketball player. It definitely taints it. If you don't care about winning a basketball game, a professional basketball game, you're just not competitive. So you would say just because he coasts, it means that he doesn't. It doesn't care, even though it that coasting still took him to eight finals. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah, because having watched Kobe Bryant for as long as I did, I didn't watch the entire 20 years, like 15, 12 years, whatever. The competitiveness is unmatched. Game in and game out. Kobe Bryant wanted to compete and win that specific game, and it translated to five NBA championships. Out of seven, LeBron has also been to seven and does not have five championships. 
this is where the competitiveness will make you a better player. It'll make your career better, but also your team better. Kobe helped his team get five championships because he was competitive in the regular season because he cared about winning that much. So when you don't care about it, yeah, it kind of shows up in the finals. Maybe you're just coasting through game two of the finals because you think you're going to win game three. Kobe Bryant would never coast in the finals. He would never coast in the regular season. Do you think he coasted with the Heat? LeBron? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, he's coasted his whole career. You think it's just his entire career? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Honestly, <clears throat> if anything, I think, yeah, he hasn't won five championships. Yes, he still has a four years left on this. I think he's going to at least win two more rings by the time he retires. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm pretty confident in saying that, giving him five championships. So by the end of this, he still matches up to the competitiveness of Kobe Bryant. If he's putting up the same Kobe Bryant numbers at a less competitive level, right. making him the greatest of all time. So if anything, it's a it's a mental strategy. To prove that and LeBron at the is end, as competitive as Kobe, you have to give him two hypothetical championships. That's that's fair. But we're also assuming that he Kobe has five championships when his career is finished. Mm-hmm. Kobe uh, LeBron James his career is not finished yet. Right. And he's on a team where he's pretty he's very much likely to win a championship at least this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a very good ch- I would say it's a 80% chance sure. that he is going to be not only the the finals MVP, but I think he's going to have the championship by the end of this year. You like pretty pretty easily. And that's but that's obviously Right, it's that's hypothetical. it's hypothetical I'm at only that point. About what's actually in front of us and the evidence that is here. Yes, LeBron fair enough. LeBron in the regular season and he's not competitive. And I think that I, I personally don't think because I think it is I think we are in the middle of his overall plan, of comp- like it's to give you the impression that he's not competitive. We just have to look at what is in front of us. Right, right, right. Yeah. So based off of what is in front of us, we are judging him on an unfinished career. Right, so meaning like the overall plan that he could be having with putting up the same numbers as Kobe Bryant, five championships by the end of the career, that strategy will prove that he had an easier time, or he played less competitively and still produced the same numbers, right? So that's just based off of what we have right now. So it's based off of what right now I I see I see it as an unfinished plan. Mm-hmm. I think LeBron James has his career completely mapped out completely mapped out in his head and i think he has it i think he has it uh his predictions of how his career is going to end and i think this is the, this is his strategy is showing the lack of competitiveness sometimes and but you know what i'm still gonna probably get this right does that I make agree. sense yeah so we agree that he is lacking competitiveness yes but i don't think that it's and he coasts in the regular season no 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 no, no. but i don't think that it's bad I think that it's just a, uh, his strategy. It's his strategy, and yeah. I believe his strategy is bad. If you don't think that not being competitive in a professional sports league is bad, that is completely your own idea. <laughs> that's about. absolutely it's correct. Fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, it's fine. And that's but not yeah, yeah. when I'm talking about professional sport athletes. These are the most competitive people in the world. Sure. 
And when you have the most talented person not being competitive, yeah, it takes it down a little bit. That's like saying he's not competitive whatsoever. That's just we're just saying that he's less competitive than Michael Jordan or my or Kobe Bryant. I'm not saying that. <clears throat> I'm saying he is not competitive because he doesn't play hard in the regular season, so he doesn't care about winning as much. Hmm. That is all I'm saying. Granted, yeah, I can, I can, I, I, you know what? I do agree because I don't think that he was as psychotic as uh, psychotic of a winner as Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan. So well, I think in conclusion, I think you might be right. All right, I gotta wrap this argument up but um he left cleveland twice left cleveland twice uh the first time was worse than when kd left okc the franchise's value fell 120 million the following year tickets went from 110 dollars to 65 dollars the impact it was had on the city was almost unmeasurable right restaurants were closing down companies changed their branding uh, they took down the huge banner in cleveland and then he did it again, um, and it looked like he had given up on Cleveland, right? We always talk about what a weak move it was for KD to leave OKC after losing in the conference finals to the mm-hmm. Warriors. Sure. LeBron left Cleveland after playing in the actual finals to go play with a super team in Miami. An even weaker move. I agree. I can't. I can't disagree with that. I mean, it was really fun. It was really fun to uh, uh, a really exciting part in. Exciting time for the NBA to see that team specifically, but you're right. I do agree with you. I think that it was kind of a uh, kind of a, an easy way out. Easy way out. Lastly, LeBron traded all of the Lakers for Anthony Davis. LeBron had a reputation of being an on-court coach, right? Maybe not taking direction well. Oftentimes, he was seen ignoring what his head coach was saying and just talking to his players directly. Um, but he has another reputation of playing GM behind closed doors, right? He always holds franchises by the throat, makes them build his own team. Mm-hmm. So think about this. We got Lonzo Ball, number two overall pick. The Lakers tanked for him. Brandon Ingram, another number two overall pick. We also tanked for him. Uh, both of these players who cost an entire year to get were traded in a heartbeat, in a Josh heartbeat, um, mm-hmm. with three other first-round picks. First of all, that's everything the Lakers have been building for two to three years. And then the next two to three years with those picks for Anthony Davis. These are all actual people. These are all people that the Lakers organization believed in. They said these guys are going to have their jerseys retired in the rafters. They got fans excited about these players. But when LeBron gets to town and they don't play well with him the first year, they're gone. That's it. Sure. Traded yes. for Anthony Davis. Okay. And he doubles down on it by saying, you still think we gave up too much. I, I personally don't think they gave up enough. I mean, if you look at that, if, if you looked at that Lakers roster, like you, it's, it was, it was almost, ob- it was obvious that it was, that this, this wasn't a good roster. Like it was, I'm not saying that these aren't good players. Josh Hart is a great player. Brandon Ingham is a good player. Mm-hmm. Lonzo Ball is a very underrated player. I agree with you. But I don't think that that roster meshed correctly. I don't think that it was the right the uh, the right skill sets matched together. Right? It was all the it was way the team was way too young, way too young to have a player like LeBron James at the at the capacity that he's playing right now to have a bunch to have really young players like that. It just the 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 distribution of just effectiveness for the team is just not there. You're just not proving it there. Plus, you're dealing with Young young kids 
who have not honed their egos yet. That's mm -hmm. something that is never taken to accountability is if you have a young team, you're going to have a team with a lot of players trying to prove themselves. And then that in that sense, you're going to have you you kind of saw with the Boston Celtics that same year. You were seeing all these players playing hero ball, right? Playing like I, I'm I know I'm good. I'm going to mm -hmm. be doing things. I'm doing things outside of what my job is. I'm not playing my role. So at that at, in that instance, when you have that many young players on a team, you have players that have not uh mastered not only their ego but mastered their role on this team meaning like this is not a uh, this is not a recipe for success so if anything this is just a problem of, of lack of of uh, confidence in development that's it do because you think lebron just wanted a superstar right now but i if so maybe it might yeah you're right so i think yeah i think i kind of see it in your in your view it kind of it seems like a um a selfish move in the sense like because because i I'm, I'm sure he wanted it right now because lebron is coming towards the end of his career mm -hmm. right he doesn't want to wait for them to develop until until he wins his next ring so i think if anything it was just a selfish move for him to do that right instead of keeping the team yeah so i, I you know what yeah I, I i can see i can see where you're coming from that doesn't make sense also he always travels that's my <laughs> argument for lebron being a bad person so to summarize he got the tape confiscated we both agree that's a weak move 2009 lost the conference finals robbing fans of the possibly the greatest finals matchup of all time versus kobe bryant mm -hmm. another weak move 2003 or sorry number three he coasted in the regular season so we would assume that he's not competitive it doesn't care about winning through these actions okay yeah four he left cleveland twice pretty weak moves Five yeah. traded all of the Lakers because he wanted to build a team around him specifically, even though he's not the GM. Of these five reasons, how many do you agree with? I I say I agree about three three of those reasons. Yeah, so LeBron I is can a bad agree. person. He's a uh, he's majority. He can be. He, yeah, he's. I think. Yeah, overall, I think he might be uh, a bad person. LeBron's a bad person. First argument. Cool. You heard it here first. Um. Tough one to make though. Yeah, anybody that knows me knows how much I like LeBron James. For sure. I just like to say it. You just gotta find some fault with him. Oh, I love LeBron James. Um, but yeah, that's my first argument. That was 30 minutes in. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, LeBron James is a. It's a pretty. He's a pretty heavy topic. He's, yeah. he's so much to discuss. I mean, he's, he's the NBA. Right. I think he's. I mean, I, I, I think he's probably one of the greatest athletes of my generation, just not not just in the NBA, but, right. you know, in, in my lifetime for sure. Yeah, easily, easily. You know what I mean? I, I just don't see other athletes like that. Yeah, I, I mean, not only the well. fact that he's just, like, the one of the greatest basketball players of all time, but, I mean, as a humanitarian. Yeah. Right? He's just a, uh, yeah. But yeah, he's bald. Honestly. But yeah, he's bald. He's bald. So, don't really care. Everything that I just said kind of gets depleted after after knowing that he's bald. Right. Yeah. It almost doesn't mean anything. I guess I'd also like to say, for every bad thing you can say about LeBron, you can say a hundred good things. But yeah, uh, you have to do a lot of research to make that argument. What what case would you like to make? Um, I I wanted to I wanted to kind of know your I kind of want to know your your. Uh, your your thought about 
the, the most underrated Hall of Famer. Mm. What do you think? Who do you think is the most underrated Hall of Famer? Most underrated Hall of Famer. People that come to mind are like Charles Barkley and Steve Nash, I guess. Maybe he's not underrated, but you know, you talk about the greatest power forwards and point guards of all time. I don't know that they come up as much as they should. Why do you think that Charles Barkley doesn't come up that much, though? Is it just because he just didn't have those? It's just because those numbers don't that those numbers matter, right? Those winning numbers matter. The championship having that yeah. having that career. Yeah, that's exactly right. The championships. Right. If he would have won one, people would say he might be the greatest power forward of all time. Sure. Six you, foot six. Yeah. You can all. I mean, you. I think you can. Uh, I mean, for me personally, I think it's. It's Alex, Alex English from the mm. Denver Nuggets, from the 1980s Denver Nuggets. I think personally that's when he was a leading scorer when Michael when Michael Jordan was just a was just a youngster. When he, he was, was uh, he was fresh, he was a fresh Michael Jordan. Right, this is his one of the most exciting times in NBA history, bringing the NBA back. Right, bringing it, putting it back on the map. Mm. I think that's from Michael Jordan, but I think. Uh, the reason why I say that Alice English is so underrated is because it kind of shows you the the um, the importance of not only just being uh, a, a good sportsman, a good sportsman. Like I appreciated how quiet he was. He wasn't a flashy player, mm-hmm. but he was so fundamentally sound, mm-hmm. right? And it's mm-hmm. his footwork and his mid range, just the perfect mid range shot. If, sure. it, if you were to say, a, if you were to really define a perfect Mid range, a perfect jumper, and it, it would look at Alice, Alex English for sure. It was just so consistent. It was so, it's so effective, mm-hmm. right? And I and it, it kind of shows you the the importance that f- the fundamentals of, of mastering the fundamentals has to do in your game, right? And you can say the same thing about Kobe Bryant being very fundamentally sound, which shows he's Kobe Bryant. He has the fundamentals down, right? And um, I just I don't think that he gets enough um, enough gratitude for being the leading scorer of the '80s, scoring 2,000 points eight years and eight seasons in a row, which I mean is absolutely incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, you really, really can't say enough. I mean, what what do you think about him? About Alex English? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I always wondered what that jersey was doing up there when we go see Nuggets games. Sure. He was one of those Hall of Fame Nuggets that got his jersey retired. I didn't know who he was specifically, and the more I learned about him, I guess, really is or was unstoppable. I mean, talk about Alex English. The first thing that comes to mind is what a scorer. And I don't know how tall he was, maybe 6'8", 6'7". 6'9". Like he was just a 6'9". 6'9". Yeah. So he was pretty tall at small forward. Sure. And that release point that you talk about being as high as it was at 6'9", it was sort of like Kevin Durant before we knew who KD was. Sure. Hall of Fame scorer. He was on some of those Nuggets teams that set records for scoring in a season. Yeah. He was on the Nuggets team that... Played against the Pistons, the highest scoring game of all time. I think it was like right. 150 to 151 or something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, maybe, maybe it was 180, something like that. It was an insane number. And in that game, he was one of the players that had 50 points. Right. Consistent. Sure. I mean, that that is what is, uh, I, I find, just a, uh, I, I do respect players that are, that are, I mean, I do like confident players, and I, I find it entertaining when players showboat or are cocky. 
but I also really, really respect players that just kind of do their job well and don't need don't need the uh, the admiration. Right. right. That's something that I can. Uh, that's like really important to me. It kind of makes you uh, kind of changes the way that you think about your own um, your own life. You know what I mean? Like, just don't don't do things just for for getting the credit. I think that you should just do a good job. Yeah. Right. Just just be effective. Just be the like he was. Nobody, practically nobody outside of you know NBA fans really know who that is. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Doesn't really come up in any conversation. Like who who and who the hell is Alex English? Who, a professor he's underrated he is very underrated I, and I he's the reason we say uh put english on the ball yeah spinning the ball up and spinning it on the glass and getting it in the basket absolutely Kyrie irving puts english on the ball because of alex yeah he has a, he has this 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 subtle effect on just the way just the way that i have paid attention like after watching after like watching some old footage of alex english it just kind of really made me appreciate fundamentally sound players such as like tim duncan and kobe mm-hmm, bryant mm-hmm. uh lebron james i appreciate the fundamentals of not only basketball but then it makes me appreciate the fundamentals of anything else that i do in my life right but like, fu- being fundamentally sound in your craft sure is is severely underrated like severely yeah. underlooked i wouldn't obviously you need it you everybody practically knows that you should know the basics but really stick to that stick to mastering the sim- the simple the the simple things yeah. like a, like a jump shot right right, right. It's, it's a simple move it's a go to move i think you um but yeah I, I don't i just don't think he gets talked about enough i agree he's underrated right underrated for sure cool um i mean it's a this is like a and i know that uh, uh i mean what what other players do you think that are underrated right now currently 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 in the league, underrated players. Um, hmm. ah, well, it's tough. A lot of these players are properly rated. I don't know why somebody that comes to mind is DeMar DeRozan. Uh, he gets overlooked a lot. I think if he was playing on a different team than the Spurs, he would get more credit. He was a consistent all-star when he was in Toronto at the shooting guard position. He doesn't play defense doesn't shoot three, so maybe that's why he doesn't get the credit. But, I mean, if you need 25 points from a shooting guard, just give it to DeMar DeRozan. Somebody like that, maybe. Right. I mean, I would say, I would, I would, uh, I would say, like, Chris Paul. Chris Paul's somebody that really, like, uh, pleasantly surprised me this year. Hmm. Um, I think that, I, I think last year when he was on Houston, we were kind of, I, I kind of made, had the, the, the assumption in my head that, I mean, I don't think that Chris Paul is ever going to be good again. Mm-hmm. I really don't. I really don't see it as good as Chris Paul is, and he's not like he did awful on Houston. He, you know, he put up he put up you know some a good amount of points. Like per, I think he averaged like nineteen points a game. I mean, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't the worst, but he just wasn't utilized correctly. And I think that um, that had to do overall because of his of his health. He just couldn't stay healthy. He just couldn't. Right. Stop being injured, right. and I think I, I kind of saw um, what's happening to Isaiah Thomas. Is I think this is I don't think it's I think it's a wrap for Chris Paul. I don't really think he's gonna do anything um, worth mentioning for the rest of his career until he comes into OKC and just blows me just blows it completely out of the water. Right, mm-hmm. he's the fifth to make OKC the fifth seed 
in the West is a better rec- better record than when Russell Westbrook was in. Mm-hmm. I mean, Russell Westbrook is obviously as incredible as he was in OKC. He still he just wasn't able to to I don't think he was as effective as Chris Paul is right now, mm-hmm. right? Utilizing Chris Paul's intelligent, his court vision, um, his I, which is absolutely incredible. I don't know. I really I think it's too early to say that if you you know it's gonna win a title by the end of his career. Who knows? But I mean, I'm pleasantly surprised, and I really think that he's gonna. I, I think that he's only gonna get better. I agree 100. percent I think something you left out as well when Russell Westbrook struggled to get his team to the eighth seed. He had Paul George on his team. He did he with Paul, Paul George. George. Yeah, Chris Paul, Paul is the only the only superstar on on his team right Look now. Look at the next best player for the Thunder right now. You're, I mean, there's like a four way tie. You could talk about Shy Gilgis Alexander. You could talk about Dennis Schroeder. Talk about Stephen Adams. Sure, I I think that I think that Stephen Adams is I think he's perfectly ready where he is. Right, I really do. I think he's I mean he's he's um he's one of those he's one of those players where I think that his game is going to improve when he knows how to skillfully use his size because he is enormous. He's, huge. he's an he's ins- probably one of the strongest players in the league. Absolutely, and he's young too, and he's like twenty two, twenty three, something yeah, like that. Point goes to stand. You know, it's tough to say who the second best player on the team is. Me right personally, now. I personally would argue I would think it would be Dennis Schroeder. See, I, and I, I and I would say <clears> someone like Stephen Adams or Shy. But the fact that there is a disagreement, whereas before when Russell was on the team, it was very clear. Yes. Paul yes. George is the second guy on the You're team. You're absolutely right. Correct. Right now, Russell or Chris Paul has taken the team further, and we don't even really decisively know who the second best player is. I, I think that it is a testament I, to what he's doing over for there. For sure. I think that he's also making – I think overall, I don't think they need a second best player. I think that they work well with – Everybody rotating that second spot, right? I think rotating that second spot is kind of vital to keeping the the team not only like on their feet, but it just makes all the everybody else better on the team, right? So I think it's actually a good thing that we can't really distinctly decide who the second best player is, sure. yeah. right? Because then we have it because you have a team because all these players, Dennis Schroeder, Stephen Adams, um, they they have the all of them have the potential to be the second best player on the floor at right. any given time. Right. Right. It's just kind of how Chris Paul utilizes that correctly. Obviously, Chris Paul is the brains behind that operation. But I think that I, I do think that it's a good thing that there is no second best player instead of but rather they have four other great players that right. you can be utilized anywhere else on the floor. You right? might be right. It's teaching them to play a more system-oriented style of basketball. Sure. They pass more, they move it around more, Absolutely. and they don't always look for their own shots. I can see that. Right. Yeah, I can see it. It's a good that, pick. I mean, um, so I mean, I agree what, with both of them so far. Now, another player I think is uh, is, is pretty underrated is uh, Spencer Dinwiddie on the, um, on the Brooklyn Nets. Hmm. Um. I, I personally think he's I mean it's he's reliable he's he's reliable right now he's um, I think that he's if you look at his career stats he's he's consistent he's only getting better he's only gotten better he's uh, 27 years old he's entering his prime and he's putting up 20 points per game and six assists without Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant right six foot five 215 pounds. He's got good size to him. He moves very well. He shoots well. I mean, I think he's very underlooked. I mean, if you just watch him play, he's 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 very entertaining to watch 
a very one of the more entertaining scores to me personally um other than like being a superstar right i think he, he's such a joy to watch he's consistent he's reliable I agree with everything you've said. Yeah, for sure. And I even think that he's a better passer than a lot of people give him credit for. He runs that system. He does. Kyrie's out. And that's an everybody eats type, type system, which is why Kenny Atkinson got fired because it wasn't superstar orientated. Which but is kind of. It was more geared towards like a player of Spencer Dinwiddie's caliber where he could move it around and show that part of his talent. For sure. Which kind of, which is kind of a bummer um, hearing that he got fired. Even though, but I kind of like, even though when you're saying, like, he got fired for not playing a, a star-orientated team. But, I mean, that's the reason why we love the Brooklyn Nets so much is they play team basketball. They play beautiful basketball. It's like watching it's like watching a pickup game. And right? large part because of Dinwiddie. Yeah, and, yeah. I, and I really appreciate That was a good system, and that, which is kind of, kind of odd because Kyrie Irving is such a team-orientated player. Like, you know he's not a selfish player. He, he can be sometimes. He can be a ball hog sometimes. But I think overall, he know he understands the importance of team basketball, mm. right? Passing and making it, and not being not being just the only uh, threat on the team, mm-hmm. right? Because I mean that that team works well as it was with D'Angelo Russell, which is something that I think was right. kind of bummed out about. That now this is going to be a more star oriented team, mm-hmm. right? With Kevin, not to say that it's going to be worse, but for me personally to watch. I, I yeah. would rather have I, I would rather have uh, I like watching him play without Kyrie. I yeah. think that's that's why I think he's an underrated player because I still wa- like watching the Nets even without their stars. It's just a fun team to watch. I think he works well with Jared Allen. I mean it's I agree. I agree with all of it. Yeah, so far three for three. These players are bad underrated. Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, if he scores like four Five more points a game, he's probably making the all-star game. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, another one I'm, I wanted to talk about is uh, I'm kind of on the fence about this one is Kemba Walker. Hmm. I mean, I've told you time and time again, fucking love Kemba Walker. Right. Love watching him play. I think he's he's humble. I like how fast, how agile he moves. I like how well he plays for, um, for his size. I think this is a perfect fit for him in Boston, considering he's not a big team. Um, but... The problem that I have with Kemba Walker is the kind of the same problem that I have with the overall Denver Nuggets. Mm. As I don't think he is aggressive enough. Mm-hmm. I don't think that he he doesn't. It's not he he plays very confidently and he shoot and he's not like timid at all. But I don't think as he is as explosive as a single player as he needs to be. And I think that he. Maybe he's preserving his energy for the playoffs. Could be. Could be. I mean, I, I, he's probably. Go, I can see. I can see Boston being in the playoffs, and um, but I mean, it's. I, I don't know. I just think the lack of aggression is the reason why that that he is not gonna go too much. Um, he's not gonna go super super far. I just don't see it. Hopefully, this is the right team for him, and I think that will change him. Considering he's playing with pretty aggressive players, he's you know playing with Jason Tatum and and. Um, and Marcus Smart, I mean, those are pretty, pretty uh, aggressive players. Yeah. Right. I mean, what do you think about it? What do you think That's about the Kevin only Walker? one that I disagree with so far? I, um, I mean, I guess I would say, you know, last year Kemba Walker <coughs> is probably going to get two hundred million plus dollars if he stays with the Hornets. And right. I think any player that's getting offered two hundred million dollars isn't underrated. 
If anything, you could make the argument that they're overrated. If you're getting $200 million, there's probably a case to be made for the other side. Whereas underrated, you're saying that this person isn't getting enough credit or recognition and credibility or whatever. For sure. And I look of, I, lo- I think of being underrated. I really don't take in um, – I don't take – the 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 salary and too much into account obviously no he's not a, a bad player overall i think he is underrated in the sense like i don't think that he's viewed as much of a threat as he is right because he's a scoring threat he's such a he's such a sophisticated scorer he's like a i think he's more like a more refined Kyrie Irving he attacks the paint very well shoots very well from three shoots he can shoot deep he shoots from pretty much anywhere he wants in the court effectively I mean I think that is why I think he's underrated until he's more aggressive but until he's more aggressive I think if he had I think if he had Kyrie Irving's aggression I think he that is the missing key in Kemba Walker's game yeah, I can't say that he's underrated, though. I, I'd say he's pretty fairly placed. You know, he made the All-Star game, I believe, this year, mm-hmm. along with Jason Tatum. I mean, if you're making the All-Star game, you are mm-hmm. getting the recognition from mm-hmm. the league and coaches and fans. Maybe you're right. It might be a personal one on this one. Like, there's something personal, that people don't, don't talk about him much too much. more he could get. I mean, unless he gets like an All NBA, if that's the case that you'd like to make. But I would like I to see. I would like to see him qualified for that. I would like to see him in the finals. I really would. I just want to see Kemba Walker play in the finals at this point in career. This is he is 29 years old. He's in his prime right now. I think this is the time where I really would like to see he's what he's what he's that, made of. That to me is saying that he's not underrated. This is as good as he's going to be. You don't think he's going to get? You don't think he's going to get any better? I don't know how he could if he starts playing defense and anchoring down a little bit or, you know, I don't know, brings the scoring up a little bit. Although Mm. Brad Stevens kind of likes to run that system through Jason Tatum. Sure. Sort of his time to shine over Kemba. (laughs) Kemba seems like the second option on that team. Incredible. That's actually kind of – yeah, I think he is better than the second option. I think maybe that is where I'm also getting that because I – Jason Tatum is incredible. He's incredible. Yeah, he's coming from a team where he was the number one option for like seven or eight years in a row. So for him to be the second, you're like, yeah, you could be more easily if he was on another team besides Boston. He could get more, but he's underrated. I just can't see him not getting enough credit. I think he's Mm. getting all the credit that he deserves. You think so? I do. Yeah, I mean, he willingly took a pay cut. You know, I do take salary into account. If you're talking about underrated players, I don't know any of the people that we mentioned are making as much as Kemba Walker. That's a fair point. Yeah, no, I, I think you might be right on this one. Front offices. Yeah, I think you might be right on this one. Great player. I don't think he's underrated though. Um, but yeah, three out of four, I definitely agree with. Uh, this one is coming up uh, on an hour for about fifty-one minutes. Goodness gracious. So. Maybe we can end it here, or, you know, I think these other two arguments, again, could go, like, another 45 minutes at least. So we could do a part one and part two type stuff. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm up to All right. To how, keep about, going. how about one more? One more argument. Let's so do this it. one doesn't go up to, like, two hours. One more. I would like to make the case, since we're calling this logo in the GOAT, the artwork that comes out with this will make more sense, but... Uh, Logo and the GOAT. Logo, Jerry West, GOAT, Wilt Chamberlain. I believe Wilt Chamberlain is the greatest player of all time. 
for a number of reasons. Okay. Now, this case has been made before. Sure. Just like they say, Wilt, the Stilt, the Big Dipper, the Record Book, some people call them. Give a brief overall view. Two-time champ in six total final appearances. He played 13 seasons, was a 13-time All-Star, four-time MVP, and a first-ballot Hall of Famer. Unarguable. Those are just the things that happened that he has. Okay. Now, he's the most dominant player in his era. Um, Nobody could stop Wilt in his prime, right? The competition was more (coughs) physical than it is today. So when people talk about... Yeah, well, Wilt was so much taller than everybody. He was playing centers that were six foot six and just scoring over people. First of all, that's entirely a myth. The average height of centers back then was six foot ten. Correct. Wilt was seven foot one. Right. So he was taller than the average competition, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like he was going up against bums. He played against people like Nate Thurman, Wilt Russell, or um, Bill Russell, other Hall of Famers. Mm-hmm. Competition was competitive. Way more physical than it is today, right? There weren't any flagrant fouls or hand check fouls, and refs let everything go. To give you an idea of how physical the league was back then, NBA owners literally thought the only reason people were showing up to games was to see blood in basketball. Wow. So they amped up the physicality. Right. They let players go at it. This is the era that Will Chamberlain played in. Bill Russell was the only player to really play him one-on-one right every time Wilt got the ball against other teams he was seeing two to three defenders around him right the entire team would swarm on Wilt again I guess Bill Russell was just feeling lucky and decided to go up one-on-one on him but really only one player that could quote-unquote stop him um talk about him being taller right I said the average height was about six foot ten so he's seven foot one three inches over the competition, maybe that's why he had the advantage, right? Maybe it's because he was taller. If that's the case, how come you never saw people like Yao Ming or Manu Bull dominate? Seven foot seven, seven foot five players. I mean, I, do, I can arg- make the argument I th- don't think that Yao Ming or Manu Bull were nearly as agile and as athletic as Wilt was. Exactly what I'm saying. Which right. brings me to my next point, the unparalleled athleticism. Talk about a seven foot one center who's around three hundred pounds, forty to fifty inch sure. vertical. Insane for anybody, let mm-hmm. alone somebody who is three hundred pounds and seven feet tall. Yeah. Uh, the bench press we talk about at him going up to five fifty when he was in college. Right. Um, random tidbit about Will. He is in the volleyball hall of fame. Really? He's in the volleyball hall of fame and he only started playing volleyball when he was thirty six. Interesting, fun. interesting. And then he got into the Hall of Fame just because he is just an athlete. That's what he does. Um, you know, he ran track in college. He did the shot put. All around, this guy was one of the most phenomenal athletes that we've ever seen. So if you want to talk about height being the reason he dominated, that's that's not it. It's no, 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 no. athleticism yeah. and strength. This is I, I I personally don't agree with this. I mean, just numbers alone, you can't he he can't be the greatest just numerically. Not to say that he's not one of the most incredible specimens you've ever seen in the past hundred years. Yeah, right. It's absolutely it's absolutely true. But but my argument is is I think he is the greatest numbers player. In history, obviously, he's put up the greatest numbers, but it's also back in time. There's, there's, 
several different numbers in the league that have would gave him the the, the gave him that advantage. Mm. Um, being that there were only a certain amount of things, nine teams, I think it was, right? That means that you have you are playing these teams more. You are playing teams like ten times in a season, right? You're playing these uh, different teams, and you're but you're also able to have a, uh, a more effective strategy when you play 10, uh, 10 teams in a season, right? You're able to know them better, so you have a, uh, uh, a better game strategy overall, right? The overall heights of the league back in that, in that, in the, his most dominant era was about six, uh, six, five, six, five, six, four. Um, it's a three inch difference than what it is today, right? And that was a time when there was no three-point line, which gave him the the huge advantage of of scoring inside of the paint, attacking at the rim. With not only players that were shorter than him on average, but the te- the the league was not as diverse. Most of the, the most of the a lot of the players were were white, and white players have notoriously been not as athletic throughout the history of it of the NBA, right? It's not even like it's not even worth arguing about. So in that sense, you just have all these factors on your side of it's it's like being it's like creating a custom player in the NBA, right? What is a player that's gonna be just completely dominant? What's the average um just physical attributes of the NBA? And this is what's going to be in a clear advantage over everybody else, right? This is just a, uh, an African-American man who was just significantly stronger than most of his competition, giving him that. So his overall game was just in his size versus work versus not only his skill. So I think, if anything, he just got kind of lucky with how big he was. Who would right? you say is the greatest center of all time? I, the greatest center of all time, pers- I would say, would be Shaq. So I would if say, you want to talk about somebody who made a career – purely based on size we can talk about Shaquille O'Neal all day this is a guy who's seven foot one 325 pounds bigger than anybody he ever played against by yes far. I agree but that is but we're saying that's the greatest center of all time so that that is a different argument you can say because we're saying that Will Chambers is the greatest player of all time so this is something where being the greatest center of all time it, it really matters about your size but it's like you have to compare the size but you also have to compare the skill Right, but the size is—it's a—it's a pretty obvious factor. But it's also you can see the way that that Shaq is so much more centered. Like he's much more centered to the earth. He has a much more uh, a stronger um, sense, of like uh, like down to earth. Like he he is heavier. He's he's bigger, lower. Right, so he would be able to dominate people like Wilt Chamberlain who was who was lean. He was tall like he I would think that he would physically bully him just just based off of the way he moves, honestly. Mm-hmm. Right? No. Why, right, so this is where I would come in and disagree with you. You say that Shaq would dominate Wilt. Well, um, the most unstoppable shot in NBA history was Kareem's skyhook. That's why he is leading the entire NBA in scoring. The mm-hmm. only person that could block that shot was Wilt. This is reaching at the peak, right at the apex. You right. want to talk about Shaq bullying down low? Let's talk about um, Shaq. First of all, being able to bench 450 pounds is pretty impressive <clears throat> in his prime. Sure. When Wilt Chamberlain is 
59 years old, he benches 465. Okay. Still stronger than Shaq. In the post, uh, they're the exact same height. So there's no height advantage. The only advantage that Shaq would have would be weight at 325 pounds. That was Shaq's leanest. Wilt's heaviest was around 310. So we're not talking a huge difference in weight. Wilt was longer. He had a longer wingspan. So if you want to talk about Shaq going over the top, the block is right there. Right. We already discussed that he can block Kareem's skyhook. Shaq didn't have a skyhook like Kareem. The shots are coming in lower. The only thing he's going to get him on is pump fakes and elbows to the sternum. Mm-hmm. I mean, Wilt can take these all day. We, we talked about Wilt getting trashed in the 60s by people who were shorter than him, but teams collapsed on him. And Shaq would play against, you know, he'd play one-on-one against a lot of centers, and he'd get doubled a lot, sure. He never got, like, quadruple-teamed and triple-teamed every single night like Wilt did. And let's talk about endurance, too. Shaq only played one season where he averaged at least 40 minutes a game. Wilt played an entire season where he averaged more than 48 minutes a game. For his career, he averaged 46 minutes a game. Entire career. First of all, we're going to outlast Shaq in the post. We can block what he has. We can take the physicality. We can take the bumps. What, What does he have left? Wow, taking that all account, no, I think I think you might be right on this one. I think you I think you might be right. Yes, yeah, absolutely. I I think that you might be right on this one. Yeah, and you know you can talk about him being able to translate into the league now, and you know whether or not that's going to happen. Who knows? That's all hearsay. Sure. Um, I tried, you know, making points away from the numbers specifically, but if we do want to talk about career numbers for Wilt. Like I said, minutes per game for his career, 46 minutes. There are only 48 minutes in an NBA game. So my man was only missing two minutes a game for his entire career. Mm-hmm. 54% from the field, 23 rebounds a game. Do you know what the record is for most rebounds in an NBA game? 50, 51 by Will Chamberlain? 55 by 55, Will. Okay. you know who the other center was that night? No. Bill Russell. Wow. That, uh, I mean, Hall of Famer, arguably the best defensive player in the league. Um, Will is one of the only players to win Rookie of the Year and MVP in the exact same season. Rookie of the Year and MVP. Take that into account as well. We also have Bill Russell, who won two NCAA championships before he entered the NBA and then went on to win 11 championships Mm -hmm. in 13 years. Means that he's a 15, he won 13 championships in 15 years. Mm-hmm. So just by that, and so not, not only taking that into account, right? You can argue Bill Russell had a better, obviously, he had a better team. He had an easier time getting those championships. But he also has a losing record to Bill Russell in the 94 games that he played against him mm. in the regular season. Mm-hmm. He has a losing record. He has a losing record of 57 games lost to 37. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, it's clear. So two-thirds of the games that he's pl- ever played against them, he lost. And same thing in the postseason, 49, 49 games. 29 games won versus 20 games. Right. Right? So 
he has an entirely losing he has a, a losing record to Bill Russell throughout the during their the entire teams time. Didn't compare. Bill Russell's team was so much better. It's littered with Hall of Famers. So many like front to back, they have like ten Hall of Famers on that team. Wilt Chamberlain played on three different teams, took all three of them to the finals. Bill Russell played his entire career with one team. Now, we talk about LeBron being the greatest of all time if he takes the Lakers to the finals. That would be his third team that he took to the finals. Wilt Chamberlain did that. He took three different teams to win the championship. They didn't all win. He was 2-6. and six. He played against a lot of great teams with not the best teammates. Bill Russell just had a better team in general. But if you want to talk about one versus one, Wilt Chamberlain would average 50 points a game in a season. Didn't win MVP that season, by the way. Went to Bill Russell because his team had a better winning record. Right. The team just won more. But I'm talking about an individual award, an individual achievement. The greatest of all time being one player, not the greatest team of all time. For sure. Yeah. You can... uh, that's and that and there's a sense of like what is more what do you think would translate better uh as a better offensive player or a better defensive player right so if you were to do this one-on-one how do you think that would translate considering that bill russell pretty much matched him in size he was not significantly shorter than him i definitely think that he wouldn't stand a chance against that that regular skyhook that he uses i think that's where he is that's where he is the strongest that's where he would attack the most, and I think that is where Bill Russell would absolutely destroy him. In the sense, I I think that he would defensively dominate him. Bill Russell. Yes, would and I think that his defense is so strong where he would not even let him. Will had 55 rebounds, defensive rebounds against Bill Russell. He couldn't out. How many Bill times though? How many times? It's not like he did this consistently. Right? How many times is he is he rebounding that much against real uh, against Bill Russell, even coming close to that? Mm-hmm. What's what's a what's that's obviously it's a it's a that's a milestone, pretty it's 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 worth mentioning, but the point that I'm trying to make is how consistent how many times is he even rebounding against him in a regular in in a regular season or how many times has he done it, you know, throughout his entire career. Throughout his entire career, yeah, no one person has ever averaged more rebounds for a career than Will Chamberlain. So for his entire career, he was out-rebounding Bill Russell for the entirety of his career. He set that record in the NBA against the greatest defender is what you're saying. Right. Wilt was as good on defense, if not better, and better on offense. Nine-time, all-time defensive player out of 13 seasons. The only person to average more points a game in a career is Michael Jordan. And he had the three-point line for his entire career. That's and fair. We're talking no, that's fair. Here. It's like yeah. 30.2 no, no, to right. 30.1. Yeah. So defensive, equal, offensive, doesn't even, they don't compare right. at all. Right. Uh, yeah, you know what? Honestly, like, like hypothetically, I think that, that, that I think you might be right. Hypothetically, I think, yeah, I think you might be right. Be, I think you might be right. Couple more things, seven seasons in which he was top twenty in assists, you know, this was a team player. He wasn't as selfish as people said he was. He held seventy two records in the NBA, some of which will never be broken. He leads the league in a fifty point game. Does he have the record for the most records? Yeah. 
He does have the record for yeah, the most so records. He had 71, and then he had that record, so it added to it. Wow. Well, <laughs> Uh, he leads the league in 50-point games with 118. Second is Michael Jordan. Do you know how much he has? No. 31. Wow. Pretty big difference. He's, like I said, second in career points per game. Every time somebody breaks a record, they go, wow, this is the most since Wilt. That's all we ever say now. Because he has everything. He is the record book. Yeah. No, I think yeah, I think you do have a, a strong argument on this one. I... I, I he slept with 10,000 women. 20,000, I think. He said 20,000. Point mm. is, my man just knows how to score. <laughs> That's it. That's right, yeah. He's a scorer full-fledged. He scores all, all, all around. He can't stop scoring. Yeah, that's fair. That's a, that's a fair point. Uh, yeah, I, you I know mean, what? I, I think I think you might be right on this one. I think you, you're actually right. I think individually as a player, I think he will not be matched. Never. Never. But I don't think personally those numbers really translated into anything, into into what it could have. Yeah, you're probably right about that. He did get two championships, pretty cool. Three different teams with the finals. Probably could have won more, but the fact that he's even competing for a championship with these bad teams testament to the talent. Yeah, no, I think you might be right on this one. I I, I agree. All right, settled. Will Chamberlain is the greatest of all time. Um, man, we're at an hour ten. I don't know if you got more. I can go all day with this. All right, if you got one more, we could throw one more in. That way, it's kind of even two and two. Sure. Um, I don't think the Nuggets are going to ever win a title in my lifetime unless they just increase that aggression overall. I don't think any anybody on that team has. The competitiveness necessary, like we were talking about, that will translate into into an NBA title. Mm. I think they have the skill set of a championship team, and I think they have a coach of a championship team, and a playing style and a culture. But I don't think their overall aggression is there. I don't see them like a lot of the times. I just not the explosive team that, that I wish that they were. That, that that I wish they were. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean maybe the way the roster is now, I, I, yeah, I kind of agree. It's it's kind of it's kind of a shame. I don't think that they're a terrible team overall, but I think it's just not going to. I think they're always going to be in that second place. So they're all under twenty six. I would say that they are going to develop. Developing, I I think well developing as far as like uh, like aggression. Do you really see them winning the title within the next f- five years? Yeah. You think I do. so? Yeah, I do. But I think uh, we'll probably have one other all-star. Like, I think Jamal Murray needs to make a team. Correct. We'll probably yeah. need a new coach. You really think so? Yeah. Do you think that Mike – so what do you think that Mike – why do you think that Mike Malone isn't the right coach for that? There's, there's occasions where I'm watching the Nuggets and they're losing by, like, five or ten in the fourth quarter. And Nikola Jokic has, is nowhere to be seen. <coughs> He's been out the entire fourth quarter. Right. And we all look at Coach Malone like, why don't you put your best player in? Right. Why are you leaving him out for the fourth quarter? It's because he's doughy and he doesn't run very well. He has low endurance. Because it looks maybe. like bread. Maybe he knows something we don't. Mm. It's just strange decisions. It's keeping Jamal Murray out like 90% of the game, like out on the floor. Right. And getting him tired. That maybe, way. yeah. No, you're right. I think that, that kind of has to do with what I'm saying. I don't think that they're they're – being you you're they're not being used enough as well like yeah i don't think jamal you're just be the coach 
maybe. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, that might. I think that might be. I think that might be the key. That's because that's. I think I'm on a. I'm a. I'm a Mike Malone fan. I'm a fan of his too. I mean, the Warriors. They had Mark Jackson, and they made it pretty far in the playoffs consistently. They get rid of him next year, bring in Steve Kerr, and then right. they go to the finals. Hmm. Change the coaching style. Change the way Steph played. Maybe somebody needs to change the way. So that's the. Plays. That's the way that I think that's that. Yeah, you're right. I think that's just the way that it needs to be. It's just that coach. It's just the playing style. I think the playing style works well and it's efficient and like it's a very well oiled machine. Like everybody scores, like <laughs> scoring is very even on the board. You know what I mean? Like everybody scores yeah. very well. Even the bench players are very well. But I think it's yeah. But I think it's just that need that little extra push, little extra motivation. I think so. Yeah, and I think that's age and maybe a new coach. That would be my only argument for why mm. why they're going to stay where they are. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. So overall, got a lot of arguments out. I know so we're going to do three and three, but two and two isn't bad, especially at over an hour. Um, Feel good, yeah. All basketball, yeah. We'll come back with more of these, Logo and the Goats. These are fun. I got a lot more to say. Like, I think New Mexico deserves a sports team. I think you have other arguments. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think no, no. Uh, cameramen sit too close to the court. Yeah, I agree, considering all the, 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 the equipment that they have. It's... A safety hazard at that point. Yeah, maybe maybe I could even argue that players should be allowed to use steroids. I could <laughs> come up with something like that. Sure. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I agree. That, yeah. That's been uh, that's been it. Thank you for all those arguments, and this has been logo and the goat. Yeah, it's a good time. All right. All Take right. It. Take care. Irving and Curry, one on one. Irving puts it up. Say who is the greatest? Um, we will never know that. I mean, in, in my eye, Will Chamberlain is the greatest basketball player. Uh, you, know, you hear players compare players in certain eras, and. Uh, I would love to see him play against some of these centers today. It would be, it would it would be pretty embarrassing for them to be candid with you.